Hey guys, welcome back to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh. This is episode number 23. This week on the episode, we have a great conversation with Pat from the band House and Home. Um, If they're not on your radar already, they need to be put on there now. Um, If you're not familiar with the band, they've got a brand new full-length album coming out on April 17th, um, which is just a couple days away. And they've also been featured on the Weekend Waves playlist that we do. So um, head over to Spotify, give that a follow. Every single Friday, we're adding um, new songs to it, new artists, and you know, just trying to to make a good playlist for people that are wanting to sample a bunch of different genres. Um, we've got everything from some EDM stuff, some country, pop punk, rock. I mean, uh, heavy metal and you know, screamo emo. We kind of touch the bases on everything. So definitely recommend going over to Spotify, follow the Weekend Waves playlist. Um, if you follow us on Instagram or Facebook, you've seen us post about it. Real easy to follow. Um, it's also available on our website. So check that out. But today we've got Pat from House and Home. Um, and again, just a great conversation with the guy. Um, he was super cool to talk to, just very laid back. It was a lot of fun. Um, looking forward to when they can get out and tour and hopefully, you know, that's sooner rather than later and we'll be able to catch them on tour when they come by, you know, Indianapolis, Chicago, somewhere close. Um, but today uh, we talked about literally all sorts of stuff ranging from mental health, music videos, the new album, plans for 2020 once this COVID thing lightens up, hopefully, um, and, and tours and things like that are allowed to start up again. Uh, again, just a really good conversation. The album is available for pre-order if you're listening to this before the 17th. Uh, if it is after April 17th, then you can go buy the new album. Uh, you can stream it on all the, the major streaming platforms um, check out their merch. We're going to have links to everything in the description below. And yeah, really hope you guys enjoy this conversation. So let's jump into this talk with Pat from House and Home. Hello. Hey, Patrick. It's Josh over at You Make the Scene. How you doing, man? Hey, Josh. Good. How are you? Good. So uh, first off, thanks for taking the time to do this, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, not a problem, man. Um, you know, I do a lot of work with Becky and the girls over there, and she shot me uh, an email about the, the new stuff, and I checked it out, and I'm really digging it. Hey, thanks a lot. Yeah, Becky and everybody at Big Picture has been awesome. They've been working hard for us. Yeah, they're they're incredible. I've worked with them for a lot of years now, and just, I mean, they're definitely one of my favorite teams to work with. They always go above and beyond for... For both, you know, the the bands that they work with, but also the, you know, journalists and and photographers like myself that, you know, last minute, if I hit her up or, you know, whatever, she's she's usually got my back on on stuff like that. So, yeah, definitely. I can see it. They've been on top of it. It's been really cool. Awesome, man. So, um, yeah, basically, I I wanted to get ahead of you. Uh, The new album's getting ready to come out. So wanted to talk about that some and just kind of uh, obviously the whole coronavirus kind of fucked everybody up for 2020, but, uh, you know, talk oh, about yeah. kind of some of the plans and everything for the, this year. Very cool. All right. All right, man. So we're going to kick it off with the starting interview question that you will get asked every single time. And that is, what is your name and what do you do in the band? <laughs> uh, my name is Pat. I play guitar and sing in house and home. Awesome, man. Um, so, uh, that's the, just the easiest, you know, starting off question that they're, oh, yeah, so, sure. um, basically, uh, for, for people that are listening that aren't familiar with house and home, um, let's talk a little bit about your, your history, um, kind of, you know, where you guys came from, uh, over the last couple of years. 
Definitely. Um, so we're we're all from Richmond, Virginia. Um, we all kind of met just from going to shows and seeing each other at different local clubs and venues and everything. And um, Matt and I, Matt, our drummer, and I actually went to high school together. And uh, we kind of reconnected once all of us moved out of our parents' house and started hanging out more. And uh, the band that I was in at the time broke up. And so Matt and I started jamming. We knew Joey from... Uh, like I said, going to shows around town and everything. And we started the band officially in 2017 and uh, released an EP that we wrote and recorded all ourselves um, and kind of played on that for about a year and played as many local shows as we could and toured regionally. And uh, this is the the record, I mean, it's kind of our first step into, I guess, a little bit more of a, a professional more polished up kind of version of what we've been doing already. So it's been a few years and it's been, it's been cool to kind of progress with these guys. Awesome, man. Um, so like you said, the, the album's kind of the first like real big step, if you will, to the, to the mainstream or however you want to view it, um, you know, towards career musician, hopefully, um, talk a little bit about kind of the journey, um, you know, being an independent band and things like that, the, the work that goes into to getting to where you are now, where you are starting to, to be able to produce things like this. Oh yeah. It's a, uh, it's a totally different ball game than anything we've ever done. It's, it's kind of something that we never really expected either. Cause I mean, every band that we've ever been in is like, we just would release singles or EPs or stuff like that. And uh, we doing a, a, a full length record is like, it, we didn't really realize it's like we kind of got hit with this epiphany like wow this is going to define our band for like the foreseeable future so <laughs> there was that like certain pressure that we put on ourselves to like really pull out all the stops um and we were we we're lucky enough to have uh will beasley in our corner he's the guy that uh engineered and produced and mixed the record and uh he was just like paramount and making it what it was so what we did is he was working out of oceanic studios in bethesda maryland and so we went up there and spent somewhere between two and two and a half weeks just picking apart every demo we had and laying down new structures and new riff ideas for everything and we got drums and rhythm guitar finished uh excuse me drums rhythm guitar and bass finished there and then he opened up a studio in richmond um and we took about three weeks off um, and came back home while he kind of built up his new control room and everything and soundproofed the building and then went back in there and finished vocals and lead guitar. So the whole process was probably about a month and a half and uh, way more immersive than anything we've ever done. Like while we were there we were recording with Will, we ate, slept, breathed, and bled music and like didn't talk or think about anything but the record. And it was a really, really cool experience. And I think definitely the, uh, the way we want to do it with, uh, album two also, but it was just, uh, a labor of love kind of thing, way more intense and, uh, kind of immersive than anything we'd ever done with the band. Yeah. Awesome. Um, what's that kind of writing process look for you guys as far as, you know, did you pretty much have everything hashed out before hitting the studio or was it, we had ideas you got in the studio and then you went, man, these just don't work and had to, to change a lot. Um, we, we thought we had everything <laughs> ready to go. Uh, so what Will does and what, like one of the things that we've come to really love about his workflow is when we came in there with, uh, 10 demos that we had all, we, we all write together. It's not like one person bringing a song and teaching it to the rest of the guys. Like we all, sit in our practice space and just play until we find something that we like and we want to build off of. Um, and so doing that was really cool. And so we would just get down and practice and write a kind of a skeleton of a song with no lyrics or anything. And then we would like huddle up in my room for hours and hours and hours and just demo it into pro tools. And, uh, then we sent everything over to will. And when we got there, um, and this is like one of the things that made recording the record so fun is Will had a fresh perspective on literally everything that we did. So we got there and he's not afraid to be like, yo, this is really sick, but this sucks. We need to change that. And like, we, we all just kind of sat in his studio and like got our juices flowing together and, and like picked apart every song and rewrote almost everything. 
Um, and I think I can speak for everybody when I say that we think the songs all came out 10 times better than they were before. And we actually had a couple of old songs on our first EP that we were planning on re-recording with Will and uh, putting on the new record. But when we got to those songs in pre-production, we all realized that we were kind of married to the way that they were already because we've been playing for, playing them for two years. And uh, so we scrapped those and actually we added Wander, which is a single that we put out February of last year. And we ended up writing one uh, completely from scratch with Will and Bethesda, which was really, really cool. Awesome, man. Um, so this podcast is going to go live like two days before the uh, the album's out for everybody. Um, cool. Becky went ahead and, you know, gave me gave me some streams. And um, I got to say, man, like legitimately, I played it today while I was working from home and it went on repeat and it was not one that I felt like I had to go back and, and skip any songs or anything. Like it was a, a play straight through. So that's props awesome, for that. Man. Yeah. Props for Thank that. Thank you so sure. much. Yeah. Um, Thank you. That's awesome. So obviously people have already heard, um, well, we'll start with Heat Seeker. Heat Seeker is a, a mm -hmm. kind of a remix, correct? It's not the same as, as the release before, or did you just um, remaster it? Um, Heat Seeker actually has never, uh, that is a single that was just on the album. That has never been released before. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Wander is the one that we released last year. That's the one I was and thinking then, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. No, no worries. Um, yeah. And then you just dropped uh, Shrunken Head not too long ago, which is one yes. of my favorite songs on the album. Uh, Very cool. <laughs> let, let's talk about that a little bit. Kind of, you know, okay. break the song down for people. Um, so I can actually pinpoint the moment that that song was kind of conceived, I guess it was, we were on a tour. It wasn't, it wasn't super long. I think it was like 10 or 11 days, but we were driving back from a show in Philly and that night we were staying in Brooklyn. Um, and we, the, the show in Philly, in all honesty, was not good at all. And we were all kind of feeling a little low on ourselves. We were all exhausted. It was like 2 in the morning because it was a late show, and it's like two and a half hours to Brooklyn. And I'm laying in the back of the van, and I just started kind of writing out just like word vomit lyrics. And the I'm beat to hell today is like the first thing that came up. And then once we got back from that tour, Joey and I – got down here and started just messing around at that the swung like da, 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 like immediately kind of came out and i was off the bat like oh i have something for this and i mean once matt got home and came down here with us the the actual structure of the song was written in probably like an hour and uh once we got it to will i think that was probably one of the songs that changed the least actually just because we got we got there and Will was like this this song just kicks like let's keep everything so yeah um, yeah it was really cool that one that one was very kind of spoke to the process I think the most just because it, everything about it was very very natural the lyrics are derived from our experiences as a band and the song is about just being just beaten and exhausted on a DIY tour and like not really sure if you can do it anymore. And then like waking up the next day and just saying, screw it and keeping going anyway. Yeah. And I think it's a, a pretty important message, especially, you know, with everything that's going on in the world <laughs> right now, the kind of yeah. that feeling of, you know, feeling defeated at the end of the day, but just waking up and knowing, you know, I can push forward and, and this is something I want to do, you know? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah, that was, it was a, uh, I mean, we keep having moments like that on tour too. It's like, it, the one thing we've noticed is like, if you have a string of bad shows on, on a DIY tour or anything, it's like, you get in this headspace where you're like, oh, this sucks. Like, I want to go home. Like, why am I even doing this? But then you have like one good show and it gives you the steam to just power through. Like, even if the next three shows are bad, just off that one good show, you can still be stoked about it. So yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, in mm -hmm. the kind of in the, the realm where you are, where you're still DIY, but you're, you know, hopefully transitioning to to more uh, mainstream success, if you will. Um, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Right, right. Like not not selling out by any means, but, you know, just getting a little more recognition, being able to play oh, bigger yeah. markets and stuff. And I, I think that's yeah. the big thing right now. Um, 
kind of to, to your point is, you know, you may hit a market that just bombs, you know, it's just not your scene mm-hmm. or the, the fans just aren't into it for whatever reason. And then you hit the next night where these people are exactly the audience that you're looking for. And it changes the perception of everything that you've done up until that point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've had a couple Q and A's uh, that Becky and everybody at Big Picture set up for us, and um, like one of the questions that we keep getting asked is: is people tune in and ask like, what are your pieces of advice for people starting out in a band or that like don't really know how to get started or like, just like the first thing that came to mind every time. Um, I think Joey and I, especially, were on the same page for this. Is is like, you're gonna play bad shows, like it's gonna happen. So just power through like it you're when you're starting out, you're going to play a lot more terrible shows than you are really good ones. So, and it's like, it's a, it's a cutting your teeth kind of thing. It's everybody goes through it. So, I mean, even like your favorite bands have all played to empty rooms or like some oddly giant venue with like four people in it, which is like the most depressing thing in the world, but like it's, it's going to happen. And like, as long as the good shows make you feel like those shows are worth it, you know, you're doing the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the mm-hmm. the key in it is, you know, the if you're not playing it for passion, like obviously everybody wants to make money in what they, they like doing or love doing. But I mean, you know, yeah. if yeah. if you're not passionate about the music that you're making and, and just going out there every night, having fun with your bros type of, of deal, you're probably doing it for the wrong reasons and you're gonna be the one to wash out a little faster. For sure. Yeah. It's it you it's it's a weird kind of balancing act because I always, I want to say manage expectations, but that makes it sound a little bit more cynical than it really is. It's more so about understanding from the get go, how much hard work it's going to take to get where you are or to get where you want to be rather. And if you're willing to do that from the very beginning, then you're, you're good. Just keep going. Yeah. And I think that's what, you know, a lot of people forget, especially, you know, when you have bands that aren't from around you that you're big fans of. So like I've used Silverstein as an example for this in the past. I've talked to to Shane a couple times and, and whatnot mm-hmm. on Warp Tour. And it's like, you're not going to just instantly start out and be Silverstein. You know, that's just not right. going to happen. Silverstein right. didn't start out being Silverstein. Like they've went through all this, this process and, you know, if you're not, like you said, if you're not willing to put in the work, um, then you're not going to make the, the elevation that you want to make. Yeah. And there are definitely, there definitely are bands that have like never played a bad show. Like that, that does happen for some people. It's like they get lucky and they get picked up by management or a good label right away. And, and then it just kind of happens. Uh, that's, but it's it's the kind of thing where you have to understand that that's not the norm. Right. Like if you, and, and no hate to bands that had that opportunity. Like if, if someone came to us at our first show and was like, Hey, I want to pay you this much money to go make a record. You're going to be huge. I'd be like, dude, hell yeah. Like right. I'm not going <laughs> to say no, but it's, you, you don't expect that. And like, that can't be the reason you start doing it either. Yeah. And I forget who I was talking to at the time, but I was doing an interview with somebody and, and kind of on that same subject, we brought up, you know, in this day and age, it's a little easier to get exposure with, you know, SoundCloud and YouTube and all that sort of stuff. But very rarely are you going to be the Justin Bieber that gets discovered on YouTube and instantly signed. You know, it's just not oh, yeah. going to happen. Yeah. And it, it plays to the harsh truth of there are so many, so many super talented bands and, and musicians that get overlooked just because they didn't have that one lucky moment, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you can remedy that with really, really hard work, um, but the harsh truth is sometimes it doesn't work out. So it's it is sort of a leap of faith thing to to do what we're trying to do and uh, kind of go for it. And uh, props to Adam from Open Your Ears for for giving us a bunch of opportunities that we hadn't had before. Um, it's definitely given us a little bit more confidence going forward. Yeah, and I think you know that's that's the key too. Is even if you're not necessarily paying those people or working with those people directly right away, like making the, the business side of it matters, you know, making the right connections so that down the road, if that door opens, you're there, you know what I mean? Like, um, like a PR team, you know, Becky and the girls over there at big picture are just, they're incredible. And there's no, there's no illusion that they don't have their ear to the ground and they're looking at, you know, 
if this band mm-hmm. can just do this one more thing, you know, we, we've got an opportunity or whatever. Um, yeah. So it's about a little bit about the business side too. Obviously you, right. you only want to play music, but you have to be business smart on it as well. Yeah. And it's been, it's been super cool this whole process because I feel like everybody that we've worked with has gone to great lengths to show us that they actually care about the record and like, they actually, like they actually want to help. Like, Becky and everybody at Big Picture has gone to great lengths to get us the best press and everything, and that process has been unbelievable. Adam, from the get-go, I mean, not to get too specific, but we were talking to a couple of other people as far as uh, labels go, and he, from the get-go, just showed us that he actually cared and like put in a lot more effort to kind of show us how much he was willing to work for us from the beginning, and that's what kind of swayed us, and he has not disappointed at all, so it's been awesome. Yeah. And it's it's cool because he understands the business side in ways that we don't really, but he still cares just as much about like the purity of what we're doing, which is awesome. Right. And I mean, yeah, would it be nice to have, you know, Capitol Records checkbook? Sure. But yeah. if, you know, you're going to get lost in the shuffle in, in somebody like that, you know, it's not common that you get picked up by a major and they're 100% support the whole time. Um, you know, there's countless bands that have been on major labels that end up, you know, fulfilling their contract or getting their contract cut. And then they're right back at square one. And it's like, okay, well, did we do the right work or were we just coasting because somebody had a, basically a blank checkbook? Right. And since we started, we've been very much like DIY all the way in everything we do. So Going with Adam, who is kind of starting out and kind of making a name for himself, just like we are, it's it's a very symbiotic. Is that the word? Yep. The mutually mutually uh, helpful relationship where it's uh, we're growing together, and that's really really cool too. He's local. He's one of the smaller guys in his field, just like we are, and we boost each other. So that's really cool. Yeah, and I, I think that's going to be you know kind of one of the things for you guys is that relationship and being able to to grow together type of situation it's hopefully not going to be a thing where you know something happens from a growth standpoint you know you that it doesn't Mm -hmm. happen that oh maybe this record flops but he's genuinely invested in you guys as a band so you know it's not just an immediate drop like it would be at a at a major so um, not that I think this record's going to flop at all, because like I said, I mean, <laughs> it, it legitimately was just a straight playthrough on repeat for like, I think I, I hit play and then it was like two or three hours later, I was like, man, I should probably go get lunch. Holy crap. That album has been playing this whole time. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, for sure. Um, so since the album's going to come out, you know, two days after this uh, goes live, let's talk about a couple other tracks on here. Um, you know, maybe it'll be teasers right before the album, or some people obviously will catch this after it it drops. Mm-hmm. Um, another one of my favorites is Feel Love. That right. track uh, wasn't what I expected, you know. Coming through the, the album, it was a different tempo and just a different feel to it. Um, mm-hmm. go, go ahead and go into that one a little bit. Um, that one is, uh, that one is probably one of the ones that changed the most when we brought it to Will. Uh, it, we definitely took some creative liberties on that song. Matt, especially, um, kind of spearheaded the, the rhythmic aspect of that song. Uh, it's a little bit, I don't know if darker is the right word, but it's, it's a deep cut for sure. It's, uh, it's about my mom who, when I was, uh, I want to say 12 or 13 was diagnosed with breast cancer and, um, she beat it cause she's a total badass and she's cancer free for years now. But, um, we had friends once I turned 21, 22 that started getting diagnosed with various types of cancers and it was really scary. And it was, kind of a retrospective moment for me because I realized like when my mom was diagnosed, I felt like I wasn't really old enough to process that in a mature or productive way. So when my, like our friends, a couple of friends of ours started getting diagnosed, it kind of called me back to that. And I had this like epiphany moment of like, holy crap, I almost lost my mom. Like, that's crazy. 
And I felt like I kind of started processing everything that I should have been processing when I was younger, when I was like after the fact, when I was in my twenties and uh, I realized that I didn't, I don't know if I really reacted too much to it when I was a kid, just cause I didn't think I knew how. So that song is a little bit more of like a retrospective. Um, so the, the musical aspect of it, I think we tried to really hone in that same emotional depth uh, that the lyrics had and will was totally awesome with that i mean he dialed everything in exactly how he wanted and that's a it's a very lyric heavy melody heavy song so uh the especially the guitar work complementing everything that the vocals was doing was like top priority for that song yeah and it i mean it shows man like i said that's it's close to my my number one favorite. Uh, mm-hmm. My my actual number one favorite, I think, is uh, or at least so far, is uh, "Make Light." Um, that song, I don't know. There's something about that one that just hit me differently than than everything else on the album as well. Yeah, that uh, it's a that's a short one. It's that's cool because we never done. Well, I I should back up when we started writing that song. Its sole purpose was to be just an interlude transitional thing mm-hmm. uh, for the record, just because we'd never done anything like that. And we were like, oh, this would be cool. And uh, credit where credit's due, that song is pretty much all the way uh, Joey, our guitar player's kind of brainchild. Um, he had been sitting on that, uh, the main riff for it for years, and we'd never gotten a chance to use it. And when we brought it to Will and I showed him the melody that I was thinking of, he kind of stopped us and he was like, this needs to be more of an actual song instead of just an interlude. Cause he really, really liked the chorus that we had. And, and, uh, he helped us come up with some really cool harmonizing guitar parts. Uh, actually before the second verse in that song, uh, Joey and I play off of the parts that each other are playing and it's guitar wise, probably one of my favorite moments in the record. And a couple days after this comes out, when people listen to it, they'll know what I'm talking about. Right. But, uh, it was also one of the hardest songs to nail live because it's a huge change of pace from our normal set. Yeah. Um, I can imagine, you know, going from something like shrunken head to make light, you know, that's quite the tempo change and just the key Mm -hmm. change and everything. Um, so like we kind of said at the beginning here, you know, this whole coronavirus and, and COVID thing has kind of fucked everybody up for, for 2020, yeah. but um, kind of what are what are you guys' plans? Um, like music videos and any rescheduled tours or anything like <clears> that <throat> that you've got kind of set in stone that you know you're going to be working on. Um, well, the uh, we had a tour in April with a band called Makeshift from Long Island that uh, we're currently working on rebooking, but it's we've had some some shit luck with promoters and everything because nobody wants to book anything because everything's so uncertain right now but we're we're chipping away at it really quick um i mean stuff's coming in so we'll have new dates for that announced soon hopefully we had a couple more tours that were not announced initially uh which might have actually been like a blessing in disguise that are also in the process of being rebooked um I am just hoping that we'll be able to let people know what's going on with those sooner rather than later. But I mean, uh, current circumstances kind of dictate that. So we'll see what happens, but there are definitely new dates in the works. Uh, we have a release show scheduled for May 16th in Richmond. Um, and we have not been forced to call that just yet. Um, by the time this airs, I'm not sure if that will have changed or not. Uh, but, if in the event that we are forced to postpone it, we do have uh, new dates in mind and we're ready to pull the trigger on those. So there will be a release show this year in Richmond for sure. Awesome. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, uh, favorite venues, um, especially there in, in like Richmond in that area, kind of, I guess, what's the game plan for the release show? We'll, we'll use that to start with um, for a venue. Is there one specific that you're, getting to play now, but then there's like maybe one that you're is on the wish list. You know what I mean? Oh, I mean, we've got tons on the wish list, uh, <laughs> but the, the venue that we have booked for it right now is canal club. Um, and we love that place. Uh, the 
in-house booking company aspire uh shout out mark shout out kathy the owner the whole staff there is all awesome um good sized room uh there's a bigger upstairs that i would love to be able to fill um but of course that's dictated by ticket sales so we'll see what happens i mean on the wish list the national would be fucking awesome uh if anybody listening is not familiar with richmond the national is the go-to venue for bigger packages coming through like I think the last show I saw there was uh, it was the story so far, citizen and movements and turnover. So, so like, yeah, good lineup. That was a while ago too. I haven't been to a show there in forever, but uh, I mean, that would be awesome. We all have kind of pipe dreams about that place. Um, there was one venue in Richmond that closed down. I want to say almost two years ago, it was called strange matter. And that place was so sick this super dive bar-y, uh, dirty punk vibe. They had a bunch of hardcore fests there. I saw, and, and like, they booked everybody and anybody. So, like, you could walk down, it was on Gray Street near VCU in Richmond, and you could walk down Gray Street any given weekend and find a really sick band to go watch and drink a beer. And super bummed that place closed. We got to play there a couple times. No, that's, that's good. I mean, yeah. we had... Uh... I'm based out of a little bit north of Indy, um, Indianapolis, Indiana. And okay. there's a, a venue that just used to be the biggest shithole of a venue uh, <laughs> called the Emerson Theater. And it's it's literally an old building um, that was a, way back in the day, it was a one-screen movie theater that they ended up just tearing out everything and making it a, a music venue. Um, yeah. And then it closed for like, three years or something like that. And it just recently got bought out and these guys have just dumped so much money into upgrading the sound system and the lights and just, you know, really trying to make it a, a place people would want to go again. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm real excited for, they've had one show there. Um, and then the whole COVID thing happened and it was like, well, shit, like yeah. <laughs> we all wanted to come, but no, that's not happening now. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Like, cause it, Back in the day, it was that same thing, like just the the dive barist. Like, you walk in and you're like, "I'm probably gonna catch something here," but oh yeah, hopefully it's a good show. Yeah, there's one that comes to mind too. I don't uh, House and Homes never played there, but I played there once in one of my old bands. It was uh, it was in Baltimore. It was called Charm City Art Space, and okay. it was so fucking weird <laughs> you you walk in and there's like a little staircase going down and then it's just this big empty room with like a garage floor and the walls are just plastered with stickers and it's nothing but just a room a stage and like a toxic bathroom to the side it was so weird and then they closed down a little while after i played there and i think they reopened as a tattoo shop which like i mean that's cool um but yeah, those kinds of venues, it always sucks to see them go because there is a certain charm to them that, I mean, as awesome as it is to walk into some super nice GA theater, like there's there's a vibe that uh, that we just love about just super divey, gross venues, especially when you get them packed out and kids are just going nuts. Right. Well, and I think the, yeah. the big thing with that is, I I feel like anyway, that that's when you know that it's your fan base when they're willing to go to to the shitty places to see you versus, oh, their name was on this marquee. I'm just going to buy a ticket just because. Like, that's great and all, but that's not necessarily the, the same crowd. You know, we've got um, a venue down in Indy called the Old National Center, and it's got a couple mm -hmm. different rooms. Um, but there have been times where I've been there to photograph a show, and people are like, uh, I didn't have anything else to do, so I just decided to... To come out, the name sounded interesting on the, the billboard or whatever, and I'm like, why? Like, I love yeah. music, but man, I don't think I've ever just walked up and been like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try this show. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I mean, who's got money to throw around like that? <laughs> Apparently <laughs> ridiculous people. Yeah. for that. <laughs> right? Right? Even I if would it's love a, to. Don't get me wrong. But... Even if it's a $20 ticket, man, there's I'm not just dropping it when I don't know who the band is at all or anything. Like, Yeah, yeah. Like That's, at least look them up or something. Yeah, no, it, it's dicey. But um, yeah, so um, let's talk a little bit about music videos. Um, yeah. What's kind of your guys' philosophy on them? What's your plan with them? Kind of just where you at in that headspace. 
Um, so planning music videos is probably one of the most like labor intensive, other than recording the album, labor intensive and stressful things to do for us logistically, just cause we, other than hiring the director, Bradley Adam, um, every, we did everything. We found location, we found actors, we booked all the times for the different locations and everything. So it was kind of this thing where it's like we have a couple music videos out already um the first one for a song called drone that was just a live video that we shot in our living room at a house uh, house show that we threw and that was awesome but it was super easy and then we went a little bit bigger with wander um but we felt like we didn't do an awesome job kind of communicating the concept of the video so it looked a little bit random the cinematography and it was awesome it was done by a guy named alex Hyder. but uh we kind of wanted to go super concept heavy for one of them and then just balls to the wall on the second one and just make it look really sick so um for heat seeker both of the videos uh first of all were directed by bradley adam um he and his assistant videographer rory came out uh from baltimore i think and spent the weekend at our house and we filmed both videos in two days. Um, yeah, it was cool. It worked out. Um, and he was, I mean, we booked the time and then he was there like a week and a half later. It was crazy. But, uh, so we went super concept heavy with heat seeker. Um, and we were all super nervous cause we didn't know any young actors like at all. Um, and so we were freaking out trying to find a couple kids that would want to do it. And like, we, you know, we don't really have the budget to pay a lot or anything like that. So and my brother, <clears throat> excuse me, my brother grew up doing uh, different productions through a bunch of different theater companies uh, growing up. And he was like a member of like all these theater Facebook groups in Richmond or whatever. And one of them was like, it was like theater moms, RVA or whatever. <laughs> and they're just like, Hey, we're a band looking for two kids for a music video, not expecting anything. And all of a sudden I had like in my Facebook messenger app, I had like 20 headshots and resumes for like ages nine to 14 year old boys that just really wanted to act in our video. <laughs> and I was like, this is fucking sick. But so we picked, uh, two kids that were actually brothers. The names are Pete and Bruce, and they absolutely killed it. Uh, working with them was awesome. We shot it in the woods behind their house, so they were super comfortable, and it was just, like, so much more of an easy process than we thought it was going to be. So that was awesome. Yeah. And then the Shrunken Head video is way more bare-bones concept-wise. We're just beating the shit out of a car the whole time. Right. Um, but the logistical headaches that go into dragging a broken down car in the middle of a field and lighting it on fire are like, I can't even describe to you how stressful <laughs> that was. Like, so we, the car we got a friend of ours left it in our backyard after she had uh, gotten into like a fender bender or something with it in our neighborhood. Um, and she just left it there. And she ended up moving like a year later and this thing is still in our backyard. So I texted her. I was just like, Hey, we're going to blow up your car. And she was like, for what? I was like for a music video. She's like, oh, okay, word. <laughs> and so, yeah. So we ended up just renting like a two wheel dolly from U-Haul and towing the car behind our, our tour van into this field that was like, vacant or like some private company owned it and was gonna uh like cut down all the trees and build houses on it or something mm -hmm. um but we found it through a friend of a friend and that whole process was another nightmare but we finally got it and so we're driving the the, the car in there and we get stuck in the mud like four times because it had rained a couple of nights ago and it was just and <laughs> props to bradley and rory because we were supposed to start shooting at like 11 a.m we didn't actually get cameras rolling until like three because we were too busy trying to get the van unstuck and trying to get the steering wheel unlocked in the car because we didn't have a key and right. it was broken, like so much shit. But once it actually like 
got the ball rolling. It was so cool. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we didn't mean for it to blow up like that, like in the beginning of the video. We, uh, yeah, that was just kind of a happy accident. And we barely got the fire out before it like got out of hand too. <laughs> like the whole thing, it was just like we were just like white knuckling it the whole way through. It was. <laughs> but that you know sometimes that makes the best. Uh, obviously, the best stories, <clears throat> but sometimes the best content. Oh yeah, and once Bradley sent us the final, we were all flipping out over it. Like he did an awesome job. Yeah, awesome. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um kind of one of the the things that we like to to discuss here at you make the scene is mental health and mental health awareness especially in the music industry um mm -hmm. so being a diy band uh you guys obviously have have seen your ups and downs and and your share of rejection let's talk a little bit about that and like the I don't want to say proper ways to handle it because everybody's different, but you know what I mean? Like kind of the, the ways that you guys take some of that rejection and negativity that unfortunately is super prevalent in the music industry um, and try to morph it into to something that you guys can work with. Definitely. Um, I think that in the past, I want to say 10 years or so, I think mental health, especially in the music industry, whether it be... Uh, organizations like hope for the day or anything like that, or just lyrical content is how mental health has become much less of a taboo subject. And it's something that a lot of musicians are opening up a lot about, which is, is awesome, but it doesn't make it any less important or any easier for people that are going through mental health struggles. And that's one of the big themes on the record too. Um, particularly in fine sense, um, the, a lot of the themes on the record are kind of about us growing into the people that we are going to be for like the foreseeable future and finding out different things about yourself can be really scary because you're not going to like all of it. And fine sense is about kind of all of us going through that transitional phase. And I started going to therapy for the first time and we, you know, we're struggling with finding motivation to get back out on the road. And if you're not in a good headspace, when you leave for tour, you're not going to get any better while you're there. So kind of this battle with ourselves over what we do and taking care of ourselves. And there are ways to do it. Um, I think one of the biggest things is the people that you surround yourself with. Uh, if we meet a band and they're jaded and they don't want to be there and think they're you know, too good for whatever's going on. And they just complain a lot. Like we're not going to fucking tour with that band. Like right. we, we have made a point to only tour with people that we get along with and that are just as happy about being out there, even if the shows suck and it's, you know, the band breaks down and everybody's freaking out. Like, uh, the band that comes to mind, uh, right off the bat is keep flying. Uh, we have toured with them and have plans to play more shows with them. But, uh, the positive mental attitude that those guys carry with them is inspiring. And it's, it's really, really awesome. Uh, and playing shows and doing this and writing music and being in a band is something that makes all of us really, really happy. And so the moments when that comes through, whether it be a really awesome show or someone hitting us up just to tell us that they like one of our songs, and those moments become even more important because being on the road, especially as a DIY band where nothing is a given and you don't know if the shows are going to be good. You don't know if people are going to fuck with you at all when you play your show. And it, there are a lot of stressors that can really, really get to you and be really bad for you if you don't take care of yourself. And I think one of the biggest things for us and the biggest way that we do that is surround ourselves with people that exemplify that kind of positivity and are doing things for the right reasons. And have your back if you are going through a hard time, especially while on the road, because you need it there more than anywhere that I can think of or anywhere that we put ourselves. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, a key thing that a lot of people, you know, from a fan base side of, of things probably don't, don't really realize is that, you know, the importance of meshing with who you're on tour with is pretty big, you know, especially if you're doing longer tours and things like that you know if i'm going to be around the same dudes for four or five weeks you know i, yeah. I need to get along with those people like yeah there's nothing worse than being put in that situation where 
even I guess, you know, for, for the average person, it's no different than at your workplace, you know, like if you're right. stuck next to the guy that you just can't stand eight hours a day, five days a week, like how, how enjoyable is that versus <clears throat> when you get scheduled with your buddy, like, cool, we're having fun. Everything's good. You know, oh, yeah. it, I think that's a, a huge thing. And I think it gets overlooked a lot for even some bands, you know, they just think, oh, well, you know, this band maybe can elevate me because they're a little bit bigger name or whatever. But if you're not meshing right. with them, is it really worth the, the little bit of extra exposure if you even get that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, to clarify, we have also been super, super lucky to so far have only toured with people that we have gone on to be best friends with. Like, right. <laughs> and that's been all. Yeah. Just to, to, I'm not, I'm not calling anybody out. There's no subtweet right. goes behind any of this, but um, yeah, we have only had the best experiences with the bands that we have toured with, but I mean, you meet a lot of people when you're on tour and you meet a lot of people that either they're at the show or they're just playing or whatever. We've definitely met our fair share of just dark cloud people you know yeah. it's and so you know it just makes you think like god damn I'm, I'm happy that we're on this tour with people that are just as happy to be here as we are and there's nothing better than surrounding yourself with people that have the same ideals and the same enthusiasm about what's going on as you do there's nothing worse than being around somebody that is just doing everything they can to just drag you down and, and take that out of you so I think that's that's become like paramount for us, uh, staying happy and healthy on the road. Yeah, and I think that's that's huge, especially for, you know, like you've said, you've had some Q and A's where people are saying, you know, what do I need to do as a as a band that's trying to break through or whatever? Like that's <clears throat> something to take into consideration. You know, don't just jump on a mm -hmm. show because you can jump on a show. Like, if you're not going to mesh with those people, or you know, it's not not the right vibe for you then it's not going to be great for you long-term, you know, and, and the mental yeah. health of the game is, is a long-term game. Um, yeah. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit about, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've had to, to experience it necessarily yet with the, the band or whatever, but um, mm -hmm. social media and, and kind of some of the toxicity that's in, in there with, you know, Instagram and, and Twitter, or even Facebook, whatever, the comments section can just be a bloodbath sometimes. Um, <laughs> yeah how do you guys kind of, or if you've had to, um, you know, kind of manage that mentally as far as, you know, there's somebody on the other side of this keyboard or the other side of this screen that either just doesn't like you guys or whatever, but has to be vocal about it for whatever reason to make themselves feel better, or whatever the case may be. Um, our comments section on our videos and our, our like Twitter and Instagram, we've been lucky enough. People have been overall pretty, pretty cool or just awesome about everything but it's so funny you should say that because we did a we did a live stream yesterday on uh the noises instagram and we had our first run-in with an internet troll <laughs> and it was so funny because we were doing an acoustic session we played like four songs four or five songs and matt's got brushes on the drum kit and joey and i have just acoustic guitars and we have our guy colin playing acoustic bass for us and and this dude comes on and starts like getting all aggro in the in the chat because we're not playing like a monomarth. And he was like <laughs> he's like, Do you know Deadbolt? I was like, No. What's like and like that's a band I'm not super familiar with. I was like, right. what, what's Deadbolt? And he was like, Oh, it's something not posers listen to. And I was like, Oh shit, I don't wanna be a poser. Right. I gotta go. I gotta go <laughs> listen to I gotta go listen to Deadbolt, guys. And like it just kept going and it was kind of funny. But we just we just clowned him, like because <laughs> I think a lot of the time what those people don't realize is like you are the minority in that situation, in that you are there to be an asshole. Mm -hmm. Everybody else is there to just hang out and have a good time. So like if you, and this applies to anything that we do, whether it be a piece of press or a live stream or even a, a show or a meet and greet or whatever. Like if you bring that energy and are just being a dick for no reason, we're going to make you look really stupid. Like, <laughs> right. Like we're not like aggressive people when it comes to social interactions like that. We're not like all on our guard all the time or anything, but it's super easy to pick out just 
the insecure troll types. And so if they come at you with some bullshit like that, you just make them look dumb. Just joke with them until they back off. And it's, it's, it's honestly just, it turned into kind of a lighthearted thing for us. Cause it's like, I don't know. My face is on the screen. You can see everything I'm doing. I don't know what you look like. I don't know what you're doing. You're just typing all this weird shit at me. Right. <laughs> and like, I'm not afraid to just like make you look dumb. So like, well, no, I was talking to, um, Christian McCauley of Amberlin. He's got a new project <clears throat> called loose talk. And, um, we were talking for the, the podcast a couple months back and we got on this subject and he's like, you know, the, the thing that is the most ridiculous is the people that tend to troll online would never have the guts to say it to your face. Oh, so, hell no. so why bother, you know, giving them the time of day or, you know, like don't, don't feel the fire. If they met you in the street, they're not going to say it. So what's it matter if they say it online, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. If it's, we've been lucky enough to never have to deal with any, like just purely hateful stuff. Right. Um, it's just like, I, I don't know if lighthearted is the word, but it, mostly like benign, just people being dumb. Yeah. In that case, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. But like, I think that there is definitely a lot of truth to that. If, if somebody is being just outright offensive or hateful or just doing everything they can to get under your skin on the internet, uh, it's important to be secure enough in yourself and secure enough in the fact that other people like what you're doing to just not pay attention to them. Yeah. Like you're not going to please anybody, like everybody. Yeah, for sure. And I was talking to Chad Moses of to write love on our arms. And we kind of talked mm -hmm. about that where, um, you know, most typically the people that are the bullies are the ones that actually have the problem. You know, like it's not anything about oh, yeah. you it's something that they've got going on, but they have to try to make themselves feel better and the easy ways to attack somebody else. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and it, what I was saying before gets easier when you keep that in mind too, or it's like this person, this is misdirected anger, you right. know, like I'm just, I'm here. So they're being a dick to me. Like it doesn't actually mean anything. It doesn't speak to who I am or what I'm doing. So just fuck it, you know? Right. And like you said, I mean, most typically they're the minor the minority in the whole situation. It's like, okay, well, there's a thousand people on this stream, and there's one guy. You know, like yeah, we win. It's it's the nature of negativity too. It's so easy. You could have an overwhelming majority of people that are happier there and happier doing what you're doing, but it's so easy to focus on that one person that's like not feeling it. You could you know you could be playing to a show 500 people if there's two people in the back corner giving you the finger that's all you're going to think about for the rest of the show and it's so weird and it's very hard to pull yourself out of that sometimes but i don't know it's it is important to take a step back and look at all the people that really do dig what you're doing every now and then yeah and i i think that's huge is the what you said to, to kind of start with is that support circle you know the making sure you're mm -hmm. surrounding yourself with the right people the people that actually care about you as a person and not the ones you know especially in the music industry unfortunately you get those those people that <clears> grab <throat> on because they think you're going somewhere and right. you know it's important to to identify who's who's really in it for you and who's along for the ride you know and yeah pay attention to the right people yeah and that can be difficult sometimes um but i i think it's definitely kind of one of those things where if you spend enough time with these people you you get to you get a feeling of their true colors and so the people that we've surrounded ourselves are kind of the tried and true that we've realized are like all right they're doing this for the same reasons we are and then it just makes it even better because you've got like this tight-knit crew and people in all sorts of different cities and and places that you can hang out with and it's it's been awesome we love our our kind of tight-knit community that we've built up yeah. And I think that's huge. You know, that way, if you do have a bad night on tour or whatever, like you've got people you can text like, Hey man, had a shit show, like blah, 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 whatever. And those people are going to be yeah. there to, to lift you up instead of being like, you know, okay, whatever. And just leave like, okay, oh, that didn't sure. help me, you know, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wanted to talk about it's, this. <laughs> it's also really cool to see when, you're playing with a band and the show is obviously not what you hoped it would be. There's like 
you know, four people in this big venue and this band gets on stage and they just rip and they just go nuts and like leave it all out there, even though they're playing to almost nobody. That's really cool to see. And that's something that we have been trying to do a lot. The last couple of tours is like, even if nobody is there, the people that are there, like give them a fucking show, like have fun. That's why you're there. So it, it is so easy to tell when someone is bummed on stage. And I think it's important to not be that person. Like, you know, I have fun practicing the songs. Right. So if there's at least one person there, it's even better than practice, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. I, um, I forget who was playing before all this COVID shit happened. Um, I was at a show and the opener was obviously a smaller band. Um, mm -hmm. and they get out and they're, the crowd hadn't really filled in yet or anything like that. And, um, you know, I'm shooting the show and it's going okay for the first like two songs. Not great. Uh, like you said, can kind of feel their energy and just they can tell like, man, it's just not where we want it to be. Without yeah. saying a word, there were, I think it was four or five guys from the other bands, like the... Hey, sorry, I don't know what happened. <laughs> no worries, man. Um, but no, so what, what I was saying is like the energy was off and this opening band, you could just tell like it just wasn't their night, you know? Mm -hmm. And without saying a word or anything, there were like four or five dudes from the other bands on the on the tour that came out and just started like ripping shit in the, the crowd, you know, like trying to get pits going yeah. for them and stuff. And I'm like, that's what it's about. You know, like these, yeah. these bands brought out this, this smaller band or whatever, but regardless of the size of the band, like these people truly enjoy what this band's doing and are trying to get people into it. And that was a really cool, you know, thing to see is like, they didn't have to, they could have been sitting in the green room or, you know, back on the bus or whatever and just chilling. Mm -hmm. But no, they, they came out, they were in the crowd, like getting the pit started for them and everything. And you could, tell that the band felt that and like their energy picked up they right the rest of the show was solid so yeah i think that's huge that that that's something you guys are focusing on too is like i'm here to put on a show even if it's to you know four people or whatever like we're gonna put on a show yeah and it can make the difference too i mean from a lot of different standpoints it can make the difference for someone who doesn't know who you are and is just at the show like right. if they're is a band that you've never heard of and they're just hanging out on stage acting like they don't really care that they're there or they're bummed about the show or whatever. You can feel that. And like, I'm not going to want to come talk to you after the show and like buy a piece of merch from you. Like, I'm not going to follow you on your social media because you put on a lame show. Cause you were obviously like, you know, butthurt about something. Right. But if you know, you had the shittiest day, your van broke down, your girlfriend or boyfriend broke up with you and you know the last four shows have been terrible and you get up there and i've never heard of you and you lose your mind and just go nuts and just like feel it and that is like that is what is going to cross that line for a lot of people i think and come and talk to you and learn more about your band and start listening to you and buy merch or you know what have you so it's it's a lot more important to put on a show for whoever is there no matter how many people are there, then a lot of people realize. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we're pretty close to done here. Uh, I always like cool. to end on a, a little bit lighter note. Um, so I've been doing these just ridiculous little fun questions and whatnot. Uh, for you, I'm going to throw this out. If you were, if there was going to be a movie about your life, uh, who's the actor that you would cast to be you? Oh, damn. Um, <laughs> I know I'm going to get shit later if I gas myself up too much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, let me go. God damn. I feel like I, I dude, that, this is hard. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. I'll tell you for, um, for me, and it's probably gassing myself up way too much too, but, uh, I'm a huge Paul Rudd fan. I love his, like, okay. His, his type of comedy and whatnot. And I think yeah. that just little like one-off comments that he always does 
I feel like that's who I'd want to portray me just because I like I want to be the smart ass like <laughs> yeah I want the the situation to be like slightly uncomfortable and then me to say something and be like oh okay it's all good we're we're lighthearted again you know yeah yeah ah oh, damn I I think that I have been called kind of just like kind of airheadish and like a little bit awkward i feel like it'd be like michael it'd be like michael Sarah or someone okay like which is cool like i love michael Sarah, but like i would love to see what it would be like if he were to play someone who's not like overwhelmingly awkward and is just like like his character in juno or something right is like kind of the wheelhouse of like what i'm talking about but i think that'd be funny yeah yeah for sure man um, so the last little bit that I'm going to do here for you is I'm giving you the green light to, you know, just plug anything you want. Um, obviously we'll put the socials and stuff in the, the comments, but, um, cool. you know, plug everything that you got coming, any bands that you, uh, want to throw out there too. And, you know, we'll, we'll get it all going. Cool. Um, we have our debut full length album coming out on April 17th called Find Sense, Feel Love, Make Light. Uh, pre-orders are available at oyerex.com, O-Y-E-R-E-C-S.com. We have two variants of vinyl and a couple exclusive pre-order merch items. Um, uh, if I start shouting out bands, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to forget somebody. <laughs> I'm going to feel really bad. But uh, in particular, shout out Makeshift. Our tour with them got postponed. New dates for that will hopefully be released soon. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. This has been really cool. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Um, like I said, this will be up like two days before the, the album drops. So this will be a, a cool thing for hopefully people to, to kind of warm their feet to what the album is, is going to be and, and all that. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. This has been this has been awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm also going to let you pick. So I always, on the outro, uh, play you know a good snip of a song. Any song that you want off, the, off of your catalog you know what what song should i be be playing for the the fans here um i know i know adam would be over my shoulder right now telling me shrunken head so why don't you go ahead and do that one all right it's the you last it, single man. seems fitting yeah you got it man awesome all right i appreciate it uh like i said we'll we'll blast this out and uh you know definitely be looking for some some of those tour dates when they come if you make your way over here to indiana or get close to me I'll, I'll see if i can't get out to a show for you i'll have to double check all of the uh spreadsheets that we got right now but right. i'm pretty <laughs> i'm pretty sure that we will be uh sometime later this year okay sounds good man looking forward to it congrats on the album like i said it's it's fucking solid so uh yeah, thank you so hope, much man hope that you get some some lift off this yeah thank you this has been cool thanks man all right all take right. care yep Bye. bye And that was our conversation with Patrick from the band House and Home. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed that one. A lot of fun talking to that dude. Um, first time I've talked to that dude. So uh, I think we, we had a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Uh, the new album's legitimately uh, one of the best things that I've heard in the last probably three or four months. Um, it's been on repeat pretty much all day. So uh think you guys need to check it out. It's going to be on Spotify. It's going to be on Apple Music, you know, anywhere you get your music. Um, like he said, you can go pre-order the record. You can go pick up the vinyls and things like that. I will have links to all of that here in the um, description of the podcast to their social medias where you can find all that, the, um, the merch site and everything. Uh, yeah, so hope you guys enjoyed it. That's all I've got for you this week. So at Patrick's request, we are going to play Shrunken Head by House and Home. Remember, guys, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.